Thank you, Malcolm, and good morning from me, <clears throat> everyone. Any children uh, following this uh, little sermon, um, and you like drawing or listening or making notes, I'd like to see Jesus standing on a rock and being struck. That would be an interesting one. Or Jesus feeding people in the Old Testament or the New Testament because he likes feeding people in deserts. He does that a lot. So I'd like to see those um, drawings at some point <coughs> if you're doing those. Question for us as we're drawing or listening. <clears throat> what is every human being born for? What is every human being born for? Whether you're tuning in at home for the first time um, or not. What have you been born for? Well, Jesus wades into that one. And he says this in John chapter 17, which is in the Bible. This is eternal life. So this is life. This is what, I mean, there's nothing outside of this. This is the big one. That they know you, Father. That people know you, the only true God, and me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is what every human being is born for. To know the living God. Father, Son, and Spirit. And in church, whether you're thinking about coming one day, or you're visiting, or you've been here your whole life, that is where we believe that, and we learn to live it out together. That is life, and what every human being is born for, according to Jesus. Life with Jesus is life. I have come, says Jesus, that you may have life and have it to the full. So I don't know as you're listening, if you know the Christian message, but it's not just Jesus died on the cross for your sins, amen, and we all get back to doing whatever we want in life without him. That's actually the beginning of living a life with God. Learning to depend on Jesus. So the sins is the entry for God to come and live in our hearts and we plug into church and we all learn to depend on Jesus, which every single person listening will have to do this week. Wrong word actually, not have to do, get to do. That is the privilege we get to do. Depend on Jesus this week. See, I often meet people and they're like, I just got to sort my terrible week out. Then, and they say, I'll do the God thing. Have you heard that one from your neighbors or someone going through it? I, I'll, I'll talk to God after when my life's going well. I've just got to sort this bit out first. And it's like, no, you get to depend on Jesus now in your day and whatever you're facing. And we see it with the ancient church, our great forefathers. And they go through the same stuff we do. And we learn from them. So, as everybody will tell you, they've just come out of Egypt, freedom from slavery. They're on the way to the promised land, where, which is a picture of heaven. And they're going to learn to live God's will out on earth. And all the pagan nations are going to be looking at them going, wow, there's something about them. And the angel of the Lord there, that's the Son of God, he's leading them there. Sometimes he's at the front and sometimes he drops to the back and fights off all the enemies. They're all on the way to heaven. And um, it's a glory period. Children, have you just gone back to school in the last four weeks? First day, you got your new school uniform, everything's good. You're out of Egypt, which was locked down. 
having to stick with mum and dad for eight months or no, it was more than that, wasn't it? You're out of Egypt and you're back in school and you've got a pencil case. But then it's two days later, it's Wednesday and you're like, mum, do I have to go to school today? Is it Saturday yet? And we've sort of come out of the first day with the new pencil case. Um, we're now on well, where Malcolm read. We're in the, okay, I, now I've got to learn to depend on God in the difficult days. Now we're on Wednesday. And I want to stay in bed and go back to living my old way. And look what happens. The Lord God tests the church in a few ways. He tests them so they get it that he's big enough that they can trust him. That's what they're made for. Hence, why are you born? Question. The angel leads them to be really thirsty. Malcolm read it. In 15, 22 to 24, Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went to the desert. For three days they traveled without finding water and they came to Marah. They couldn't drink it because it's bitter. And now one of my favorite passages in the Bible um, is bitter. So they all grumbled against Moses. That's what people do. Grumble against church leaders. What are we going to drink? And Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. That's interesting. And he threw it into the water. And then the water became fit to drink. There, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Isn't that a strange story. What does the Lord do? He leads the church to a place where they realize they can depend on him again. Because church is amazing at forgetting that we can depend on the Lord. I mean, they've just come through the Red Sea. They forgot, I guess. Jesus is now a very small person in their life, and they're grumbling. Is he really going to sort us out today? Can I depend on him today? I forgot what he did for me yesterday. We all do that. And he puts them to the test. Who is your God? What's your idol? What are you living for? And Moses cried out, and then the Lord gave him a piece of wood. What is with that piece of wood? Um, it's brought to the center of attention of church. What is it? A piece of wood with the Lord saying, yeah, you can depend on me. Well, my favorite version of the Old Testament is the Septuagint, which is a Greek Old Testament. And in that one, which is the oldest Old Testament we've got, and the one that Jesus and the Apostle use, it says essentially this, wood that looked like a tree. Ah, it's a bit better than some of the English versions here. So what is with this tree-shaped piece of wood that goes into the water and turns the bitter water into fresh water and sustains the church? What is with this piece of wood which, which water gushes from and gives church life, which causes the church of Jesus to be refreshed. How can a little bit of wood sweeten water for three million people right when they're thinking life is bitter? Wednesday. Oh, can I depend? Now, modern commentators, if you are interested, they, they're somewhat disappointed on this, which... They often are. And almost sort of funny at some of them. And they're being deadly serious. One person thinks this was a porous piece of wood. And like the, the water just passed through it. And the water had purification particles in it. And I just picture Moses there. with a, It's like um, a heavenly coffee percolator. 
And Moses is like, I know there's three million of you. Well, hold on, here comes a drip. And, oh, it comes right, pass that on. It's ridiculous. Another one. It was a herb that was added to the water to sweeten it. You'd need a farming industry of herbs to accomplish that. My problem with all that is, such a small version of Jesus, the divine angel, is he really that small to take water and slightly touch it up with a herb? Like herbal cordial. And it matters because our prayer life can reduce Jesus to that, that size. Like he just sort of touches bits up, but I'll do the rest. Our prayer life can be like this. Jesus, if you can, because you're quite small actually, can you make that minor change I'm asking for, please? And it's exactly like this cordial piece of wood. Just Jesus, can you, I know you've done the Red Sea, but now, today, can you just do a tiny little touch-up? I'll do the rest. That's what the modern commentators are like. He had me yesterday, but he's not with me today. He's not in my marriage problem today. He's not in my addiction today. He can't help me today. So just give me a tiny bit of cordial. Put a herb in that area of my life and I'll do the rest. Rubbish! This is saying, no, Jesus is with us today. He can be depended on entirely because wood in the Bible is always, well not always, but most often linked to life and rescue. The burning bush where the Lord rescues the church. Moses, I can't even speak, Lord. Don't worry, what's in your hand? A piece of wood. That'll do. You and your staff are going to accomplish great things. That's what Jesus does. Numbers chapter 21. Nail a bronze serpent on a piece of wood and the church gets healed when they look at it. Jesus claims that that was about him. The tree of life in Eden. Jesus nailed on a piece of wood which looked like a tree. And that tree is woven into world history because the wood that the Lord provides for the church here and all the way through the Bible, it turns bitterness sweet. And it turns chaos into glory. And it cheers up the church. And it causes us to praise Him. And now the early commentators, Oregon, Ambrose, Jerome, Tertullian, they all say, oh, that's obviously about the cross of Jesus. This whole story is about the cross of Jesus and the bitterness of death turning into life. On that wood where the immortal Lord took all the bitterness away of the world and the sin of His people and the devil, and He turned it into the sweetness and hope of heaven and eternal life. And when we get thirsty this week, we trust in that. This passage isn't here by accident. It's to remind us about what the Lord can do for church. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. On Wednesday, on Thursday, come to the Lord God. And I'm sure that's it, and the church fully got it, and then they never doubted who Jesus was ever again, and they got on with life fine. Right? Wrong. Because a few moments later, we get this one that Malcolm read. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the Israelites say to him, if only we had died in Egypt. Then 
We sat back in Egypt, we sat around with meat and had all the food we wanted. But you, Moses, you have brought us into this desert to starve because we were thirsty. But now we're hungry. We wish we were back. And they're doing it again. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord God has brought the church again. So they need to learn this lesson again. And he brings them to a point, and he's going to bring every single one of us at some point in our life to this point, and it's this. Would you rather be hungry with Jesus or be really comfortable in Egypt without Jesus? Would you rather be taken into difficult waters but have Jesus and his life or remain having the most wonderful worldly life in the world, but you don't have God. Because here the church going, we'd rather be back in Egypt, thank you. We don't want to be hungry with you and the angel of the Lord here. And Jesus is bringing them there. And I guarantee you, if maybe for the first time this morning you asked to become a Christian, at some point the Lord God is going to bring you to a point where he's going to say this. You know that stuff you used to rely on? to get through life, that you idolized, that you turned to, which you chose to give you some sort of hope. Now you've got to choose it. Me or that. With your bodily desires, it's hunger here or thirst or your sinful addiction, stuff you used to binge on that numbed you and distracted you, whether it was working non-stop or whatever it was. Now you've got to choose. Where do you go to for life? I'm going to take you over here to this difficult place, but I'm going to be with you. And that is a Christian. The one who chooses with church family around them. This is so hard, but I believe Jesus can be depended on here. And I'm calling out to him every day. And the Lord gives them bread and he gives them meat. And then, and he does that again and again. He feeds people all the time. Then we come to the last point. Have they learned it yet? They get thirsty one last time. Mark, Malcolm read 17. But the people were thirsty for water and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? And now comes a whopper that we're closing on with a few remarks. I was going to do a whole thing about how they don't listen to the Lord and they stuff meat in their pockets and it all goes rotten. It's the same point again, they're not depending on him. They think, he's going to let me down tomorrow. I better stuff my pockets full today. Jesus is like, nope. Trust me, every day come to me. And now we come to a whopper. And it's a staple part of what we believe from then and now and forevermore. The Lord said to Moses, go in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile with and go. And I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. There's the divine angel again, still with his church. Strike the rock. Water will come out of it for the people to drink. And Moses did this. And he called the place Massa and Meribah. Because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is he really with us? So the Lord my church doesn't realize they can depend on me yet again. Moses, tell them to strike the rock. And if you look at the wording, 
It's almost like the Lord stands on the rock. He says, I'm going to be in front of it. Some other version says on it, next to it. Whatever it is in your English version, the point is this. It's as if Moses himself is striking the divine angel. He's there. I'm on it. I'm with it. And out pours sustenance for the church. And the Apostle Paul says this. The ancient church, they drank from that spiritual rock. And that rock was Christ. And here it is again as we wrap up. Come to me, says Jesus. Everything you need is in me. And I will give you rest. And this week, the church of God is to show that we trust in Jesus and that he's that big. My friends, the youngest and the oldest, in the playground, in, um, if you're getting married, if you're starting a new job, if you're facing death, you depend on Jesus. And he carries us through. Today, we remember his goodness. And with our coping mechanisms of the world, we ditch and we say, Lord, you're all I need. There are people who are going to die of starvation today who are Christians. And the Lord is still giving them everything they need as they feed on him, the bread of life. And he carries them to glory. Is your view of Jesus that big? And I'm closing with this belter. A few years later, Psalm 95 is written. And if you've got a decent version of the Bible, it will say this in Psalm 95, as it's talking to the future generation of church. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah and as you did at Massa in the wilderness. Church is like, I wasn't even born back then. That was way back in Exodus. Thank you very much, Mr. Psalmist. Nope. The, the Holy Spirit gathers all of church up from ages past to ages future, and he just goes, you were in Massa and Meribah. You grumbled. Because we do, don't we? We will be tempted this week not to trust in the Lord God for life. And he says, when that temptation comes... Don't harden your hearts to the Lord like you did, Park End, in Massa and Meribah. Like you do, Owen, all of the time. Trust in the Lord God for daily bread. Do not grumble. Have a vision of Jesus that he's got you all the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.